Hello, and welcome to the On The Whistle podcast. I'm your host, Alistair Howard. And today we have one of the hottest young prospects in African football speaking us to speaking to me today. Um, Zain Nabi, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so glad I'm not hosting because I get to eat botong. Listen, bring my punditry. I'm filled up with some nice Coca-Cola because it's quite warm. Life is good. And I'm so happy we have this amazing guest to sit around our rye. Yeah, Zane, Zane, is, Zane is not used to being the guy who's not in the hot seat, the host. So he's, he's out here taking it easy, have drinking, eating, whatever else. <laughs> but our real, our real guest, our real guest today that we're so excited to have him, born in Kasulu, raised in Yaragusu, and made in Abilene, Texas. The latest in a growing list of African stars lighting up the MLS. It is Tanzania and Dallas FC's very own, remember the name, Bernard Kamungo. Bernard, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me here. That's how fun. <laughs> oh, we're excited to have you. I mean, Berta, my, my first question I got to ask, you know, we're interv interviewing you at Tanzania in, uh, less than a week after Tanzania just qualified for their third Africa Cup of Nations, I believe. Their first in, in a number of years since 2019 when Kenya beat them. Michael Olunga grabbing a brace. Declare an interest. Declare an interest. You didn't have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but... Bernard, were you watching the game? How are you feeling? What was it like to kind of be someone whose nation is actually going to be going to the African Cup of Nations in, in January? Oh, yeah. I, I was watching the game, just, uh, you know, watching the game, seeing how the guys are making the history was, uh, you know, a big push for me as well. Just to want to be part of it and just kind of, you know, help help the team, help the, the whole national team just go even far. And I was just so happy, you know, to see where, you know, the boys got us right now, you know, making it to the to AFCON, you know, for the third time in the history. So it's, you know, it was an incredible good feeling for me and, uh, you know, for the whole nation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, be be honest with me, Brenda. How nervous were you? Because let me put, put it out for the listeners and the viewers. Tanzania went into the final group game of qualifiers away at Algeria. Algeria, I think, was the only team who had won, not just drawn, but won every single uh, qualifying match so far. Tanzania needed to get a draw or at least match Uganda's result. Uganda needed to win by two goals against Niger. Lo and behold, the Uganda were winning 2-0 against Niger. So uh, Tanzania, if they conceded one goal, that was it. The AFCON dream was over. Be honest with me. What were the emotions like? <laughs> I mean, for me, it was uh, kind of stressful because I can get to see, you know, how the other team is doing and I'm looking where my team is at and I was like, oh my God, this is very tough. You know, you know, it got tougher when I seen that, you know, the other team beating Uganda 2-0 and I was like, oh, oh, this is not even, you know, it was getting worse every single time. So, um, yeah, you know, it was, uh, you know, a little bit stressful, but, you know, I, I, not the same as the guys that were playing there for sure because I know they struggle a lot, push a lot just to, get the team to where it needs to be. And then I'm just so proud of every one of them to, you know, for such a big step and, you know, just take it, taking the responsibility and just take the team even far, you know. The reason why this is so complicated for you, Bernard, is because you have, you know, forgive me for saying, but such a fascinating and interesting backstory in terms of where you grew up, how you were raised in Tanzania. Do you want to tell us a bit about kind of what life was like for you as, as a young kid and a bit more about your background? Oh, yeah. Uh, for me, obviously, I was born in a refugee camp, actually, you know, in Yaragusu camp. That's where, I, you know, I was raised until I was like, uh, you know, 14, I think so, 14, 13. 
So, and then, you know, just living a life there, it's, uh, you know, everybody know, living in a refugee camp is not an easy life. You barely get food and you barely, you know, get stuff to do out there. It's more like you feel like it's in, in jail, even though you have a little bit of space to do, you know, something. But you kind of get tucked up and it is not enough opportunity to kind of showcase your talent or, you know, just even work for our parents is so hard for them to find something to do. So, um, yeah, for me, I only had one job to go to school, and which I did try to go to school for a couple you know, for a few years. And um, whenever I turned like 11, if I'm not mistaken, 11, or yeah, 11 or 10, 11, I just, uh, I seen how, you know, my parents were struggling to just make money and just try to feed us every single day. Because sometimes I'll go to school, come back, I'll not have food. And, you know, you can't really complain because we just kind of get used to the life of uh, not getting food sometimes. So uh, my expectations, just uh, me knowing that sometimes I won't get food. It was, so I was uh, like very disappointed. But, you know, even though as a kid, you know, you want to get almost everything that you, you're asking your parents for. But I guess I was kind of mature enough at that time. I kind of realized that my parents are going through a tough time to find us, you know, try to feed us and all that. And uh, I've seen the opportunity of me helping my family, you know, like uh, getting food or like just getting some amount of money to kind of help them to uh, get us food. So I started, you know, try to do like a little job, try to help out selling stuff so I can just, uh, you know, help my, my family and, you know, my siblings as well. Yeah. And I kind of wanted wanted to kind of know, for you reflecting back on that, you know, you're talking about how as a kid you became quite mature quite early because of that. You know, has that kind of the way you you view life and your parents and the way you relate to your family been significantly different because of the way you grew up? And even now, now that you guys are in the U.S. and stuff, how does that kind of impact the way you, you yourself, but also your family kind of live live your life even even to this day now? I mean, uh, obviously, I, I, I'm always thankful to see, you know, to where I, you know, I came from and where I'm at right now. And then I think, uh, you know, just having that mindset, knowing that, you know, I struggle a lot and I, I never had opportunity to actually express what, you know, what I'm feeling inside or just try to tell people how it is living my, you know, the type of life, I, you know, I lived in. You know, it's uh, it was quite a kind of struggle. But now that, uh, you know, I have opportunity to kind of tell people what I went through and what, uh, you know, I don't want everybody to go through that tough life. I think it's a good mindset. It actually just helped it help me out, like uh, mental wise, just try to look back and, you know, see that, you know, back then the life was this bad. And then to where I'm at right now, I shouldn't just give up. You know, I shouldn't just say, you know, settle for what I have right now. I just keep fighting for more, you know, just keep battling and, Hopefully I can get even more than this and help people back home. I have to come in uh, and just say that your story is one of inspiration. It's one of triumph, but there was obviously a lot of pain in what you've gone through. And listening to, to some of what you say reminds me of the story of uh, Michael Azira, the former Ugandan international who played in the MLS, who um, also, when he was young, had very humble beginnings and had to go and try help the family Um sell um sell items or, or, or food so that he could make some money to help i'm wondering when you were going through those tough times what were some of the good things what were some of your most treasured times and memories when you were growing up was it the hope that you get out of the refugee camp or was there some form of escape for you 
um, in that environment? And what would that have been? I mean, actually, you know, I, I think I was, I was enjoying myself, even though I wasn't getting everything I wanted to. I was, uh, you know, I kind of get used to the life, to not getting food, not, you know, I was just, I guess, not comfortable, but I was just, you know, I felt like I was the leaving. There's no need of stressing myself, overthinking, going, you know, I want to be this place. Obviously, you want to have food, you want to get almost everything that you need in life, but it doesn't happen like that. So for me, it was more like every time I get food, I feel, you know, I feel blessed. I'm like, okay, this is all I was asking for. And I was just uh, so happy just getting that food or getting something that maybe I was needing for too long. So that's why when I uh, I came to U.S., one of the things that I actually, you know, like realized is, you know, you get, you get almost all three meals you need. And, you know, it's all up to you if you want to eat or not. So it was, you know, that's something that I would never forget, you know, personal. It's, uh, it was a big change for me and a really good change. That, that's perfect because my next question was going to be when you got to West Texas, um, what were your first impressions? <laughs> I'm telling you, they showed me the fridge, you know, full of food. And I was like, oh, my God, please stop it. I was like, hey, no way. You know, it was, uh, it was a really good feeling. And then I think uh, somebody actually came and said they had this uh, thing they called food stamp. So we can go to the store and buy whatever we want with our card. And I was like, oh, my God, this is a lot, you know, because all I was thinking about was just, <laughs> you know, I'm like, this ain't no way I'm getting all this, you know, because uh, it was just, uh, I guess, life changing after that. Yeah. And kind of in those first years, Bruno, obviously, you know, I assume, you know, you, you kind of when you move there, you're 14, you go into kind of a high school or kind of secondary school, you know. I cannot think of a bigger culture shock and difference from kind of going from kind of rural Tanzania to, I, I guess, still rural U.S., but to Texas, you know, and everything that I think about Texas and the stereotype, blah, blah, blah. What were those first few years like? I mean, for instance, like, what, how was your English? You know, what was school like? I mean, tell us about those first couple of years of, of school. Yeah, I mean, everything was just shocking, to be honest, you know. So uh, I remember because I got, uh, they took me to the uh, middle school. So I got into middle school and then we had breaks, you know, I never knew we'd get break and have, you know, like meal, you know, I, I, you know, during the break. So we had meal and I was like, oh, this is good. You know, I didn't think we were going to have food out because, I, you know, I have enough food at home and then we're getting food at, as well at school. I was like, OK, this is good. But the type of food we were getting, we were getting burgers and all that and then. I never had that. So it was, uh, you know, I tried it a couple of times and I never liked it. So sometimes. Wait, you didn't like I, hamburger. The most American no, no, thing in the world. I never liked it. So I used to like fries and I'm just eating fries. And so you know, sometimes I just starve myself until I get home and my mom will make it. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of strange. Seeing where I came from, I never had food. Now I have food and I'm not eating it. It was like, a, you know, like a different, different type of feeling. So it was a, you know, really good, different type of feeling because, uh, you know, from not having something to have something that at least you have a decision to make and say, okay, I'm not going to eat this time. I'm going to eat at this time. You know, I'm not going to eat this food. I'm going to eat this food. So I kind of have a choice to make. And then it was, a, you know, it was a really good experience. Even, uh, you know, I got here. I never spoke English. I was, uh, you know, I used to learn uh, 
French in a, in a, in Nyargusi camp. So mm-hmm. we, we, we got here and all I knew was Swahili and French. I mean, a little bit of French. I can't say I used to speak French like that, sure. but just a little bit of French. And, you know, I started learning English and they look at me now, I'm, uh, you know, speaking to all of you guys in English. <laughs> you speak English so good. You speak American and we speak, I speak South African and he speaks Kenyan. So, you know, no. you can be like my wife is from Chicago. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. You're Sorry, Ali. Yeah, I, I, I gotta, I gotta say, I can't imagine there being too many Swahili speakers in out out, out in West Texas. Uh, but yeah, I mean that that is that is incredible. I've read you know, through this whole time, both kind of growing up in Tanzania as well as then when you got to America. What role did kind of football play in your life, you know, in, in particularly in that transition from going from Tanzania to, to the U.S.? So uh, football kind of helped me to communicate because I, I grew up like a shy person, you know, because uh, every time sometimes you go and beg for stuff, you know, back in the refugee camp, sometimes you need something and then you can't afford it. So the only way to get it, you have to be like humble. You have to be quiet. And then just so people would make probably like you and say, okay, okay, you can have these. So I guess I was that type of person from the young age, just growing up, you know, very young and, you know, not talking to a lot of people, I guess. But so football actually helped me communicate with my teammates. And then it helps me, you know, even speak a little bit of English as well. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you have to talk to your teammates to do certain things. And my teammates had to teach me a few words to actually, you know, just speak in English. And that pushed me a little bit more, you know, in the middle school, even when I got to high school as well. Yeah, I mean, I remember growing up in school, there was distinct memories of, you know, the school I went to is an international school. And so some people would come and not be able to speak any English. But the one place where they could speak English was would be on the football or would be on the football pitch. Someone say, pass me ball. Like they wouldn't know any kind of. Any school English wouldn't know how to say, you know, hello, my name is whatever, but cross, pass, whip it in, kind of anything, put a cross to my head. Yeah, they're done there. Football is a universal language. And then, so Berta, what, how, how does this work? Because you've also kind of got this really interesting kind of aspect where when I think of the U.S. and U.S. sports, I think college ball, I think the draft, I think kind of these things. But you didn't, you didn't do any of that. How, how did you make that step from kind of playing high school ball to stepping into suddenly playing kind of semi-professional, professional football. Oh, yeah. Uh, this, this is where my brother comes. You know, I, my brother was always, you know, telling me all the time, you know, you go to try out, find some tryout, and, you know, just try to do something. But I was always nervous, shy, like always, you know, I never believed in myself, uh, you know. So most of the time, I would just lie to him, tell him on the phone, okay, brother, I'll, I'll find some and I'll go to him. But I never went to any of them. So he kind of made that decision to come back to Texas because he used to say Michigan. He came back to Texas. He looked at, you know, a couple, two tryouts. And he was uh, he was like, you know, there's a 500 one and a 90 box one. You know, you get to choose where do you want to go. I'll take you. I just want you to be, you know, on the field and play. So, you know, because I'm very cheap, I chose the 90 bucks when I was like, yeah, I'm thinking 90 bucks. <laughs> a man <laughs> off to my own heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, 90 bucks for sure. You know, I didn't even think twice. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so I just, you know, we got registered for the 90 bucks. We got the tryout, and, and I was a little bit scared because seeing how tall people are, I seeing how big they are, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm not making it, <laughs> you know, in my head. You know, everything was just playing in my head. I never told my brother. 
So I got to try out, and then my brother just told me, hey, just play, be yourself, you know. There's nothing else, no pressure, you know, just be you. So I got on the field, I started playing, you know, scrimmaging, because it was like 11 against 11 most of the time. We started scrimmaging, and, you know, coaches started talking to me, and, you know, that's where everything started. I have to ask you, uh, Bernard, and you've, you've touched on this already, perhaps. Who's been the most significant person on your footballing journey? Let me tell you, I'll answer for him. This guy's brother moved from Michigan <laughs> yes. to Texas just to get this guy to go on a tryout. That's, there, there's only one yeah, answer. I'm sorry, I won't, I won't get answer for you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, he's a, he's a mad man. But I, I, I'll, let me tell you, my, old, my older brothers would never, ever do that to me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> never, ever. You're, you're blessed. Oh you're blessed. Well, well, you've got to you, you, you've got to send him a message now that you're on the podcast. If he was here right now, what would you say to him? I love you. I'll pay him back his ninety bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, love it. I, love it. I, I was gonna go. You've had such amazing highs in 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 your 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 young career, but I have to ask you about that League's Cup match when you scored against Lionel Messi's Inter Miami. What was that like? I've seen the pictures, I've seen the celebrations, but what was it like? <laughs> I mean, it was just joy, you know, like you can see the happiness all over my face, all over my body, you know, after just being sharing the field with, you know, Lionel Messi. I I grew up watching that guy, obviously, you know, just every Saturday, every Sunday, Messi's playing, you see me there on TV watching. It doesn't matter what time he's playing, you know. Just being able to share the field with them, it was uh, such a big honor. Something that, you know, always stayed, you know, with me, you know, with me my whole life. And, you know, scoring, you know, against them as well. I mean, what else can you ask for? You play against Messi, scoring against them. I mean, I was living a dream at that time. Trust me. I I couldn't believe it. You know, I scored. I know, you know, I got to the post and I scored, but... It, to me, it was just a shock. You know, I was like, how did I do it? I even know how I did it. You know, it's just, it was incredible. Good feeling. And uh, I guess one of the best games I've ever played so far. I mean, did, did you get a chance to speak to him or like interact with him at all after the game? Surely he gave you a jersey. Surely he gave you a jersey. I hope so. I hope so. After, after, after you sat down Kamal Miller like that and, and scored that goal. Come oh. on. Tell me you got his jersey. <laughs> uh, no, 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 I actually. <laughs> <laughs> now let's let's be honest. Every, every, everyone's trying to get that jersey, dude. But what he did in that game? Come on! It was uh, one of my teammates because you know he's Argentinian. They talked already, so I I kind of expected him to get a jersey, you know, before everything because they talked before the game and. Even after the game, you know, they didn't know each other somehow. And then I was like, okay, this is really good. But for me, just uh, just getting a high, getting a picture against them, I mean, you know, with them, it was uh, it was all I needed. The jersey, I can get it next time. But that time, it was just for the picture. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I got to shake his hand as well. Uh, I mean, be honest, that, that game, I know you guys got knocked out in the League's Cup, but... After the game, having scored and met Lionel Messi, like how upset were you at the loss? Even though you got these awesome, <laughs> awesome memories. Be honest. <laughs> that's the re- that's the real win. <laughs> oh, what a question! 
I mean, I, I knew I won the game. You know, even though we kind of tied up and all that. But for me, I was I, I was winning all over the pitch, even off the pitch. You know, so it was actually mm-hmm. you know not a good feeling that you want to feel, especially if you lose a game. But I guess it was a learning moment for the team as well. Just try to mm. you know step it up and not not sleep off. Sometimes if you get ch- chances like those, especially if you play against high players like Lona Messi and all of them. So uh, it was a good a learning moment, but for me, you know, like I said, I felt like you know we won that game even though we didn't get the results we wanted because we outplayed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and for and for you, Bernard, he's kind of been such a meteoric rise, kind of first, uh, you know, playing for what was it uh, for, for your your school team and then West Texas and then now you're kind of getting getting into the Dallas team and suddenly. You're in the League's Cup, you're scoring, you've now played, a, you know, started a few games in the MLS, and you knew you scored in that last game against Atlanta United, you know, with that, that brilliant finish before you got absolutely smacked. You know, how has that been for you just kind of, you know, you're, how have you found that experience? Because, you know, less than two years ago, you know, you're, you know, not even, you know, anywhere near a professional team, and now you're playing against Lionel Messi. What is that like? Man, I don't know. I don't know how to tell you, my guy. I'm just like you. Sometimes I be I, I get in shock, you know, with the stuff that I do all the time. But to be honest, I feel like I have a, you know good people around me that help me out all, all, every single day. You know, on the, on the pitch, on the off the pitch. You know, the coaches and stuff, my teammates, and you know, just my family. Those are the people that play in the main character, and that's why you get to see Bernard do all those stuff on game days and stuff. Absolutely. And and the whole kind of Taifa stars has been a new thing, a new thing for you, Bernard, because obviously you broke into professional football a year or two ago. You've broken into the Dallas FC team in the MLS and you tore it up in the League Cup in the MLS. And you got that first kind of call up to join the cab in June of this year. You know, what was that experience like for you as the first time being called up to the national camp? How did it how was it for you? What was your experience like? I mean, it was a it was a good feeling, you know. It was a good feeling just getting uh, recognized with the national team, getting called up out there and share the field with all those uh, guys. It was it was such an honor just to be there with them and you know, kind of you know get to experience how it is playing for a national team and you know see the love, how welcoming people are, uh, you know, over there. And then it was just a it was a good feeling, you know, and a good step in my career as well for me and my family. You, you were called up to the national team. You've been in great form in the MLS, but you haven't played yet for um, Tanzania. What are the reasons behind that? Well, one of the reasons it's uh, because of the due citizenship, but I'm sure they're not, you know, the coaches and everybody, you know, in the office that are working on now and try to make it possible so I can play. So, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's one of the reasons that I know. Maybe there's even more reason. I don't know, but... You know, I'm just looking forward to when I get to play and actually, you know, showcase and experience playing for the national team. Do you think that opportunity will come before the AFCON uh, where you'll get a chance to play? Is that what you're hopeful for? I mean, hopefully, you know, like I said, you know, I'm always ready, you know, ready for the opportunity and just try to grab it with both hands. So I'm just uh, so excited for what's coming, you know, either before or after the AFCON. It's, it's still going to be a big opportunity for me. Sure. And and with your injury, um, I was going to say, when do you think you'll be back and ready to take to the field? Because my injury is like three to six weeks. So, uh, you know, I've got a few more weeks going, but I should be ready in, you know, a couple, a couple more weeks and I should be ready because I'm like two weeks in, three weeks in, yeah. Mm. And, and I've also got to ask, you know, this has been 
an amazing journey for you these last two years. But also, you know, you mentioned your brother and your family. What has it been like for them as well? Like, have you been able to get your parents out to games? And, you know, how, what has that been like for the rest of your family in terms of supporting you? Oh, yeah. They, obviously, they watch every single game, even though sometimes they're not at the stadium because they stay in Michigan. But mm -hmm. other than that, they support me, talk to me every day. And, you know, like before the game, I get to talk to them as well. And they just give me all the good luck I need. And, you know, it's just such a good thing to see, you know, that relationship that I have with my family, get to talk to them all the time. They don't have to be on the field for me to play as much as I play all the time or like for my effort to show up every game. I just need to know that, you know, I've got family. I've got people that support me. That's all I needed. But, you know, they've been a couple games, but obviously not as much as I want them to be. But, you know, there'd be a lot of games there to play, and I'm sure they'll make it to all the games. I, I, I was going to ask Bernard, um, just to bring it back to FC Dallas, you guys are currently in the um, final series playoffs race. Um, I'm wondering from your perspective, what would you – define a success for yourself this season and what would you define as success for FC Dallas? Oh, and for me, uh, I mean, I'll start FC Dallas first. I, I felt like, you know, a success is always, you know, taking a step forward from where you are to somewhere, you know, different. So for us, I think just making it a playoff and actually get to compete in a, you know, playoff would be a big, uh, big step for us as well and just try to you know lift the trophy at the end of the year that's uh, something that we, we're looking forward to and i'm sure you know sooner or later it will happen so for me as well just uh, being able to just share all these good moments with my teammates just try to lift something special at the end of the year and uh, you know something that we can all remember you know always be remembered for that's something that i'm looking forward to as well Thank you so much, so much for joining us. I, I wanted to try and think of a better way of closing out this segment speaking to you, but the best I, I could come up with was seeing someone on Twitter who posted a picture of you and said, Tanzania, I endelea kuatesa mwazungu ni Bernard Kamungo. For those of you who don't speak Swahili, that is that, that Tanzanian who is who's continuing to torture the white people. That's Bernard Kamungo. Bernard Kamungo, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Oh my God, they didn't have to say it like that. <laughs>